0: Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am as always your host, Doug Winters. This is episode 45, and it's my conversation with Allie Barone. She's the owner and creative director of Allie Barone Events, which is a full service event planning company in the New York area. I have to start saying that because I'm starting to interview people in LA, in Portland, and someone in Phoenix. But today was truly a treat. I hadn't seen Allie in a very long time, and we just hit it off immediately from the minute I walked in the door. So rather than spend all this time with me, let's spend it together with Allie. Allie Barone. So we've known each other, sort of.
1: Same friends. For 20 years. Mutual acquaintances, colleagues. Exactly. I really got my start in production, in television, and that was behind the scenes. All right, so, so start from the beginning. Yeah. Did you go to college for this? Did you train for it? When I started going to college, I was going for, uh, like, going into the medical field. I was on that track, and I was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was struggling, you know. I was doing, I was getting, you know, straight A's in all my creative classes, and then getting, like, straight C's in all of my science prereqs. So, anyway. Um, the academic gods were yeah. trying to talk to you. Yeah. So I said those, you know, dreaded words to my parents and it was mom, dad, I want to be an art major. And they were like, what? <laughs> I was the first girl in my family to go to university, to go to college. So that was really? a big deal for them. I come from a, a New York City, hardworking family and education was just something that they were really, really pushing for with my brother and I. And being a starving artist was just not an option. It And my father was NYPD for 21 years before launching a a very big career in high-end security with Harry Winston Jewelers. And no starving artists are allowed. (laughs) Bottom line. So my parents, they didn't squash the idea, but I thought actually they gave me some pretty great advice. And they said, well, if you want to be an art major, you need to start researching different ways that you can make a very good living as an artist. I can get a... A second degree in education, maybe uh-huh. be an art therapist. So I set out on researching. Now this is Really, this is before the internet. I mean, the internet was like brand new, right? I so. Know.
0: Right. So, if, if you're talking to someone who's 25, they have no idea what we're yeah. talking about. What do you mean you couldn't just Google it? Right. You had to go to a library to go and go look a library. things up.
1: And you're asking about, you know, publications and periodicals and and things, you know, right. and I started to actual thinking. librarians. Yeah. It's actually really crazy when I think about it. Anyway, I got led down the path of exploring being a scenic artist. And because I, at that, time there was still a very strong artist union scenic meaning for uh, stage theater, stage, oh, okay. and television. Like literally... Creating the sets, okay. designing the sets, decorating, styling, building all that all of that. And there was there was a very big business in New York metropolitan area. Sure is all in New there York. There still is, right? sure. So I researched which school and I thought, oh well, that sounds interesting. I like working with my hands. I like, you know, this sounds like sort of like I can then be that major. I could be a scenic design major and then decide really where it's I It's artistic,
0: go. but you don't have to be starving right. for 20 years right. before you sell your first painting.
1: Right. Yeah. I could get in a union and have benefits. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. the whole
0: <laughs> like practical art.
1: Practical art. So, um, I think and we the, just
0: invented a term. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the idea of television and film was very interesting to me. It's my, my grandmother was actually um, part of a big traveling vaudevillian family, and they were very successful back in the day. They were one of the first people to have. Have a car in their neighborhood. You're talking about wow. the early 1900s. And okay. Because they used to like travel. on the radio
0: or on an uh, actual vaudeville? They like... would
1: go on the road and head up to the Porsche Belt and all up in wow. here and, and have this whole performance. And, and then my other grandparents from Italy, or great-grandparents, rather, sorry, were furriers. And went into costume design as well and they designed gowns for Mae West and it was in my family but it was like buried you know and I was the one that kind of brought it back all were very successful in it so
0: so then your parents are the more practical your father was a, a cop yes. and then he was security and then he
1: he became executive or Harry Winston was and, and was his That's crazy, therapy. and
0: for anybody who doesn't know, I guess everybody knows the name Harry Winston. If you watch guess, the Academy yeah. Awards, you know, like yeah. they're the ones that rent out the $20, yeah, $20 and, million. And he, dollar. And he
1: used to, you know, I mean, for award season, I mean, he was out in L.A. for six to eight weeks every year year working with all the stylists and on the red carpet and what he would do is first of all nothing could be lent out without him giving the okay and then he would assign a security detail to that person
0: that's what i meant okay so there was actually there is a security detail
1: yeah and they don't care about the person they care about the jewelry
0: (laughs) No, I they do imagine. they care no, about no, the person. No, sure, they don't want but. the
1: person to be jumped or whatever. You know, there's that, but then they're looking to make sure an earring doesn't fall you know, I mean but it's a bracelet can easily fall off and things like that so yes and of and course and when do they interest. give the
0: stuff back like at the end right at the end literally of the as, night. as they're leaving
1: it's like a Cinderella story before
0: the Vanity Fair party they have to hand it back or after no that? no after, after the, after the Vanity
1: Fair party
0: oh so yeah. your father would be working like 24 hour days
1: He well he was at a lot of the parties and it's really interesting <laughs> even my father parlayed it into it, his career into something that was semi-creative and le- left of center in the yeah. sense of he's been on so many film shoots and so many movie sets and and fashion shoots and things like that. So yeah. Wow. That's cool. And he was even featured in Italian Vogue because he's very handsome. (laughs) Really? Yes. How cool is that? Yes. Yes. And then I freelanced and I started hustling and I, I basically uh, broke into television doing stuff for MTV and VH1. And I was a PA, just a general production assistant, Mm -hmm. um, and a, a dear friend of mine, Nicole Sorrenti, who's an, an incredible producer and director and she's a VP of development now. She's a very, very high level thinker, but back then we were all like she was a, kids. we were out. kids. Yeah. She was a year ahead of me. She also went to New Paltz and she I just heard that she was working at MTV and I just like reached out to her. I mean back then people didn't I don't we had cells. I mean they were just starting. Um, beepers beepers and, <laughs> and and uh you know no there was no email address you had to like go through like five friends that you might have in common right. to get like a current number maybe try their parents house like, right exactly. it was you know yeah. but we finally connected and she really helped me get all of my first gigs so i was just general production assistant whatever that meant i'll never forget like john stewart i was like assigned to just be his assistant for the day, you know what I mean? And whatever that meant, whatever that meant. So get a coffee, just basically be close by, but not up in his face. And right. he was actually so awesome and so wonderful.
0: At the time, what would have been your ultimate job?
1: And my ultimate job would have been to be a stylist or a decorator. But I didn't have those connections yet. So I was doing a lot of things like editing at Sony Studios. I was r- running uh, VHS tapes downtown to where like the editing studio was. Be a location scout. Sometimes my job was to just manage traffic on the street, foot traffic if it was an outdoor film. I mean, it was like every day was different. I never really knew until I landed a job with... A producer who did a lot of stuff for VH1 and, and Comedy Central, RSE Productions. And uh, I was just, again, just a general office PA. Robert, who was the owner of RSE, he had. A, RSC? RSE. RSE. Productions. Okay. He had an office right across from David Letterman. And he had hired an interior designer to come and redo the office. And it was awful
0: oh great
1: (laughs) and you know i smell an opportunity yeah she like (laughs) she painted the walls like this like grayish color green gray we had fluorescent lighting awful it was like everything was just not it did not scream cool you didn't walk into that (laughs) office and think this is a guy that's producing great stuff great content for comedy central and vh1 and and I just overheard him talking with one of the senior producers, like of how disappointed he was. And I was like, well, I, you know, I, I think it's terrible and I want to, I don't, I want to change it. I think he knew my name. I wasn't exactly sure. I just, um, I said to the senior, one of the senior producers, I'm a scenic artist and I have an idea. I mean, I think just redoing the foyer and a few tweaks and it could really be so much better. This is my idea. What do you think? Do you think I could run it by Robert? And she was like, yeah. And so I ran it by him and he said, how much would it cost? And I think I literally charged him like $500 or something. Like to me, it was like, a was like so much money back then. But like probably the interior designer was like, you know, 10 yeah, times. 10, yeah, 10,000. <laughs> yeah. And I said, and I'll do it on the weekends. I'll do it at night. I'll do it on the off time. So it does. All- and I hustled, you know. And I remember I was up on a ladder and I was painting. I was, I made this like very cool, funky Oh, so you were literally wall. doing it yourself? I was literally doing it all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love it. And... um. The senior producer, Mara, said to me, you know, we're producing this new show called Hard Rock Live on VH1, and there's an opening for a VIP coordinator. Robert and I think you, you would be good for that.
0: You like, were up on the ladder. Well, I was up on the ladder. Doing and, the thing for 500 bucks.
1: Correct. And so within a span of like six months... I went from being, you know, this lowly PA to being a VIP coordinator, you know, filming at a Sony studios. Did you know what it meant? Well, we had, you know, we had the interview and I said, what's the job description basically? And she said, "Um, you're going to be greeting. The talent. The talent, their handlers and all of the famous people coming to see the performance because at the time sony studios was like the place to be you know, the building is like a city block square so it's huge there's like i used to pass eric clapton in the hallway and no like, really just, i mean lauren hill like you you know just yeah it was always but you had a job yeah yeah
0: job. so part of the That's job a story by so, the way.
1: <laughs> so the other part of the job was i had to kind of every day i had to Set up the the VIP green room. You know the VIP lounge. Sure. There was tons of famous people. Oh, all these are the, the people time.
0: coming to see the show, not the artists themselves. Correct. Got it. Okay.
1: Conan okay. O'Brien would step by. I mean, we had all kinds of people that would step by. It was really, really such a fun. Experience. Oh, and they knew the
0: secret entrance to the yeah. VIP. Yeah. Sure. Oh, sure, cool. sure. Sure. So cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. That was. A pivotal point in my career because I I learned a couple of things you know you have to if you want to be seen and you want to be heard you have to raise your hands you have to put yourself in the conversation I know for a fact that I wouldn't have had that job if I was just the PA listening to them talk about how upset they were right. with the design and the decor and did nothing
0: and you raised your hand and you said I could do this better
1: yeah from that point things just started rolling along and I actually worked with that production company as a freelancer for for many years and was able to get into the art department and start uh, styling okay. and then they gave me the opportunity to be an art director on a couple of episodes of a show that that they produced on Comedy Central. And so it was, you know, it was a great it was a great run. But what was happening actually in the late 90s was Giuliani, who was an amazing... I thought he was a great mayor, cleaning Mm -hmm. up New York City and really making it a lot safer. But he was also making it a little bit more challenging for production companies to get permits to film, you know, because of noise ordinances and lights and things and quality of life that that he was really pushing at the time. So a lot of production companies that I had freelanced with were either going to um, Vancouver. That was kind of the start of New Orleans. A lot of people were going down to New Orleans Mm because things were like super cheap. You know, you can produce something for like half the money down there. I knew I wanted to stay in the New York metropolitan area. It's it's where my family was and I'm you know, very close with my family. I never really lived with outside of a 60 mile radius of New York City, so I ended up going back to school and getting my master's in education.
0: Oh, so you quit the NTV stuff?
1: Just for a year, yeah. So many of the companies that I was working with were, we're doing leaving. work elsewhere. And even MTV was changed. You know, the formats were changed. Everything sure. was yeah, shifting yeah, 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 yeah. at that time. So I just looked at it as a time. Like, I've been in the industry a while. I can always go back to it. But let me just take a year out. I Did Did you
0: think you wanted to teach? Or you you going back to your parents' idea of practicality?
1: I wasn't sure. I was kind of on the fence. And you know, I did freelance and jump on a couple of, like, 24-hour commercial shoots and things like that. Because the money was good. And I had, you know, if people called me, I would do it. But the one thing that I did always like, but then started to get a little tired of was the hustle. It's always staying connected. You got to always know who the people are that so they h- know how to reach you so they can call you. And I know
0: that's, that's a, that's a skill in itself. It's
1: a skill in itself. So I ended up getting a job right away. Teaching and it was,
0: art in school?
1: Yeah. I was hired to be a point two staff developer and help teachers incorporate arts throughout their interdisciplinary lesson plans. Maybe they were going to be teaching um, a social, you know, they were going to be teaching about Greece and, you know, and I would come up with an idea to make that an artistic endeavor. It was really great. And then after the first year, they were like, oh, we're cutting that position down to part time. And I get a call from Nicole Sorrenti, my friend who gave me my very first job in television as a production assistant and she says to me so now you
0: can't be more than 26 i was, I was 20, 27 28 i was 29 okay i worked in television oh for that's quite right, you quite a, a couple years, years. yeah yeah. Okay. yeah
1: before i went back for my master's so um she says to me uh ali have you heard of the show called trading spaces and i said oh i i think there's a billboard for it on Queens Boulevard <laughs> I was like I, I've seen it I don't have cable so she's like you don't have cable TV I'm like no I don't have time to watch TV she's like it's a hit show Allie. it's a I was like well that's why there's a billboard for it on Queens Boulevard just, yeah we we're laughing and I think this is important like this is again going back to the time where we had cell phones, but you, if you switched your phone or your carrier, you couldn't keep your number, right? So she had to go through, like, she was like, I've been looking for you for like months. She was like reaching out to all kinds of people oh, to wow. get my- Oh, and
0: she didn't know you were teaching.
1: She didn't know, she didn't know. Cause she, we had lost touch, yeah. Okay. So she said, well, I'm, I'm helping produce and direct a sister show to Trading Spaces. And it's called While You Were Out. And we just wrapped up our filming our first season. Uh, we're about to go into our second season. We're Emmy nominated and we're adding to the cast the producers of the BBC. And wow. I think, you know, you would be a perfect person. They're looking for a female who can play the role of carpenter that means that she can build and paint and sew and design and have a personality and you know and be a part of this ensemble creative cast on air on air yeah and are you interested
0: really you have to ask
1: i was like this (laughs) is so crazy to me i was like i'm yeah i'll explore it sure sure and so I'll never forget, it was the last day of school, the day after the last day of school. So June 28th, and I think I had my first audition June 29th. And I had to make a bird feeder for them on camera. And now, were you
0: good with your hands in yeah. general? Yeah. Okay.
1: So, uh, I mean, to be a set designer, you have oh, to right. you have yeah. to take a couple of of semesters of actual set buildings so that you know you're designing appropriate load bearing and weight, you know. So yeah, I had to do, I had to learn how to sew costumes. I had to learn how to light the stage. So it was two semesters of costume design, two semesters of lighting design, two oh, semesters. Oh, this is going back to New Yeah. Okay. So, so it oh, kind of so prepared had me. Oh, it's yeah. perfect. So I ended up, anyway, so I had my first audition in June and then I think my second audition was in the f- July, and then the third audition was in August. Now I'm sweating because wow. the school year is about to start. That's right.
0: September. And
1: um, I, we start and literally the first week of school, I get a message saying, okay, Allie, so it, it's down to you and one other girl. And in order for them to make the network, which was Discovery, to make the final... oh The, 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 the Discovery well, Channel? the parent network was Discovery. We were on TLC, the the execs want you to go and film two episodes, so we're gonna offer you a rider, an optional rider, so not a full contract, but a rider for to go film two episodes as yes. on air talent. Yes. Okay. And it's these dates that we need you. Basically, it was like the first month of you know school. It was just when you don't yeah. want to take off. It was a really tricky thing because it was also my brother's wedding weekend of his second wedding, <laughs> and. I had to, you know, I had to have a lot of conversations. I had have a conversation with my brother. My brother was like, "Don't, don't miss this opportunity." Oh, good, gotta go.
0: he's definitely Grandma Rose's grandchild.
1: He was like, "You gotta go." I love this."
0: this. I love this whole family thing.
1: And I went to my principal. Because I didn't want to lie and say I was sick or this or that or you know I'm just not a good liar. Well, wow, you're like perfect. <laughs> I'm just not a good liar. Oh, I'm not <laughs> that I'm perfect. I'm just not a good liar. No, you do the right things. So, so I I said to her, her name was Mrs. Dallas. I said Mrs. Terry Dallas. She was very great. I said I've been offered. Not this even up. Terry. You just Mrs. Dallas. I I would call her Terry. I think, okay, and Mrs. Dallas, but um. So I said, you know, I was offered this opportunity. I have actually auditioned all summer. This is what they said. And she said to me, I would never want to be the person that held you back from this opportunity. Wow. So she was like, you know, you'll use your personal days. And you'll go, you know, if you can yeah. try to be gone, only use two and, you know, and whatever. And so it worked out. And I it went, was
0: filming in New York, so you didn't have to fly. Anywhere. I had
1: to fly. I had to fly. One was, was up in, in Buffalo, and the other episode was in. No, but
0: they weren't in LA or. No, like the, the you other one said, was owned in by the BBC originally. So, no. were yeah. We were, okay. we
1: were cl- fairly close, a okay. short plane ride. Yeah. So, in like a small private plane. You know what I mean? We just kind of went and we did it. So, about. 3 weeks later they offered me the contract for the show and i and i left mid year which is such a no no as a teacher and it yeah. was really heartbreaking but i had everybody's support and it so that was good for me you know cuz
0: you were open and you were honest about it from the beginning you didn't you weren't sneaking around
1: yeah you know they offered me the contract in november and i think i started filming in december and i i was on the show for two seasons so so season 2 and season 3 and i that always
0: confuses me season is not a year. It's like the fall season or the spring season. It's like 23 shows.
1: And it's all different for different, you know, for different networks and different production companies. A
0: season is not a year.
1: No. Okay. No. Like there are two seasons in each year. And a season could be, like in the fashion A season could be 12 episodes. A season, sometimes a preliminary pilot season is only eight episodes. So we filmed like, it was like 30 episodes a year. It was crazy. It was a lot. Um, for, or, or a season per for a season. season. Oh wow! Which is why they needed to add to the cast because we filmed all across the country, and so you can imagine it was very taxing on the on the original cast to be away from home for so long. Yeah. So, um, well, they at least paying you well, so that. Yeah, I mean, they cable's not is not network, right, <laughs> but but exactly. you know, there's other opportunities that come with it, and so it, it it ended up being a very good experience for me. But we filmed two weeks out of. The month so we would alternate so there was like cast a and cast b so that we would all be able to be home a couple of weeks out of the month so we That's never very smart rather yeah think, uh, you know. it's interesting because here i am this girl that never really you know kind of lived you know or worked outside of a 60 mile radius in new york city and now i was suddenly working all over the country and it was really it was an incredible experience for me and also
0: everything else was behind the scenes and now, I'm, and now like I'm talent. Yeah. And now you're talent.
1: Now yeah. I'm talent that actually has to do what I would do behind the scenes on camera. Which <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. Just a little added pressure. In other
0: words, if you have to make a birdhouse, have someone film it
1: with hair and makeup. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know. Exactly. So, so it, was, it was just a really interesting experience. You know, I traveled across the country, I got to go to a lot of different. States and communities and areas that aren't necessarily tourist destinations. You no, know, I don't think I would have ever have gone to in my life, and meet some really incredible people and see how beautiful this country is. I mean, for example, we, uh, for example, like Tulsa, Oklahoma. Or, oh,
0: okay. You know, like yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. you
1: know, uh, I mean, that no one would think of as a destination yeah, spot, right? I mean, the nicest people in the world. Yeah. What we would do is we would fly into a major city. We would film two to three episodes all back to back within an hour radius of that airport. So, you know, they could maximize all the yes, travel fees sure. of such a big I mean, it was a lot of people. You know, production. it wasn't just the cast, it was all the crew and, you know, and then sure. everything has to be moved. We might fly into Atlanta, but we're we're filming an hour, an hour and a half away where nobody would necessarily go, but it's a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful community. So uh, when I was on that show and actually like towards the tail end of my contract one of my co-stars, he was offered the opportunity to design an event for the Children's National Defense Fund, and it was actually at Bridgewater's. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, her, for those of you
0: who don't know, because it's not there anymore. I know. Which it was literally in the South Street, Street Seaport. Seaport. Like you would smell fish. Yeah, literally, yeah. like fresh fish. Yeah, like it was. It was amazing, yeah. actually. Yeah. Okay.
1: So uh, her her husband was uh, part of a production company that was working on it. So anyway, she would she wanted to do it, but she realized with the production schedule, with us you know being gone two weeks out of the month, mm-hmm. it would be hard to do solo. So she asked me if I wanted to partner with her on it, and then we asked our producers for opposite filming schedules. And oh,
0: but again, you were open about
1: just yeah yeah. I had no experience in in designing and producing a- event. events yeah. <laughs> so uh I, but I just I was presented with the opportunity and I said yes so uh so I jumped on board with her and then we would if she was off filming I would be in the Soho office working on whatever we needed to do and then v- vice versa mm-hmm. it, it was a great gig it was it was beautiful and she she really designed everything I was just helping I was like the the assistant right we co designed because there was it was interesting because it was for the Children's National Defense Fund and I had just finished teaching. Oh, I nice you know, I, I had some ideas for like a self portrait wall and and we actually I reached out to a bunch of different schools and we got kids to make self portraits and then we framed them and you know, there was oh, so you
0: use the connections so in yeah. every single thing you do, yeah. You use the connections that you had made sure. before.
1: I don't know, a few months later, I had found out that the design and the event that we created won a Biz Bash Award, which I didn't even know what a Biz Bash was. I, was like, I know it's a big deal. Yeah, so I was like, that's awesome. That's great. And they're like, no, no, it's a really big deal. And I was like, oh, cool, that's great.
0: The one piece of advice my father really gave me that was great was, if you get an opportunity and you feel like you want to do something, say yes. Say yes. And, yes. Then, learn and then learn how to do it. And then
1: learn how to do it. Just be be honest that you need to learn. Mm-hmm. That's my thing because yeah. if you if you're not honest about it, then nobody's going to teach you. but if you're if you say i'm I'm interested, yeah, I think I have this, this, and this to offer, but I'm not strong in this and this. could you would you have some time to show me I'm a fast learner? Then you can seize the day <laughs> so my when I stop filming while you're out, my publicist actually. I had bought this like Oh, so now you had your own publicist. I had a publicist because I was getting booked at different home shows across the country to be like a guest speaker. And so, so don't forget, we were like yeah, the so home I mean, improvement. This we stuff, were the I mean. home improvement OGs. Like, I don't even know <laughs> if there was an HDTV network or they may have just launched it. We were on TLC, and I think Trading Spaces was on HDTV. I don't know. I get confused okay. because yeah, yeah. because since then, all the all the players have jumped, you know, cross network. So my <laughs> <The> Home w- <laughs> Improvement OGs. Yeah, we were. Uh, so myself, my co-star Leslie Segretti, and oh, and Amy Win Pastor from Trading Spaces. We were the first on air female carpenters. Oh wow. You know, now a lot of the shows feature really great female teams and mother-daughter teams, and they have female uh, carpenters and contractors that are doing all the work sure. themselves, but we were the first. All right. So when I stopped filming, my, my contract was pretty was pretty tight. Like I couldn't work for another network for, I think it was like six months of the airing of my last episode or, you know, like oh, one of non-compete those. non-compete kind yeah. of thing. And I had just bought this lake house at the time, so uh, this house, yeah, but it was a smaller house.
0: (laughs) We're in a spectacular house with incredible view of the lake. What lake is that? This is
1: Greenwood Lake. When I bought it, it was a 940 square foot little bungalow. No, and then you know I put my home improvement skills to use for myself for once, and then we added 2,500 square. handy friend to have. I mean, right now we're in this really incredible era of like business to business networking where we're really all getting a chance to see each other shine and meet each other face to face and, yeah, yeah. you know, stalk each other on Instagram and then be like, <laughs> oh my God, I just saw that you did this. But back then there really wasn't any of that, right? So your only impression was the impression that you left on a job. And, um, and I was always super friendly and I always loved meeting everybody and talking with everybody. So when um, I decided, you know, I actually had started a blog back when like that was a super, super early thing to do. Oh, yeah. And sure. my brain just automatically works like a producer in a sense of like that timeline and what's happening for second, third. Mm-hmm. and um, Because that's really where my beginnings were.
0: Yeah. So oh, it all makes sense from the this, this whole story. This, yeah. yeah.
1: I was literally just, getting my feet wet so I did a couple of day of like bar and bat mitzvah Mm -hmm. jobs and then I just became really dedicated to keeping my head down and learning my craft and uh, trying to build my team which you know is a little hard in the beginning as you know you go through people that work out or you think are gonna work and then they're not so good and you know and then I had to really kind of dive into that entrep- you know, put my entrepreneur hat on um, yeah, with all the other, this is a business. Yeah. And all the other not fun things that go with that, right? Like, yeah. you know, billing and taxes and stuff. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, sure um, get paid, yeah. Know, so, yeah. So, um, I had a goal that within the first three years of my business, I wanted to just every year grow by 20%, 20% in volume, 20% oh, so in you're sales. So you really practical. I'm a practical person. I, I love think. it. Yeah. So, and that's what I did. And I just, um, you know, I invested in the the online, res- you know, the online advertising I needed to invest in to kind of get my brand out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I invested in graphic designer to create my logo. You know, and I I, I did what I could do yeah. starting out. And
0: um, oh, Once again, I'll go back to the fact that you knew the business yes. from the television side. Yes. So you knew it had to be done. You knew there was a certain amount that had to be spent on advertising. You knew there was a certain amount. Okay.
1: Right. I just set my sights on staying in that luxury space. It was the space that I knew. I didn't even feel comfortable in another space. I didn't know the vendors in another space and I didn't know the venues that were, you know you know what I mean? So, so I kind of, I just, I stayed in that luxury space. I did a lot of stuff in the country clubs and one of my first few planning jobs as my own company was at the Pierre Hotel uh, because wow. Bill was wonderful. Bill, Bill referred me because I had Bill
0: Spinner, one of our, one of everybody's, talk about yes. someone that everybody loves.
1: Yes. Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing.
0: He's a, he, his podcast is one of my favorites.
1: And he's very rooted in hospitality. You, know, you have
0: to listen to his podcast. He talks about that. He talks about literally growing up in his parents, had a an inn and a yeah. restaurant yeah. In, in like Hershey, Pennsylvania yeah. kind of thing. and
1: he was like a steward. Or and like he applied
0: it. to the Pierre Hotel mm-hmm. blind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he said, they wrote me the most... Beautiful rejection letter. (laughs) Of course he went to like windows.
1: When I think of the pinnacle of hospitality and white glove service in our industry, Bill comes to mind and his team and his team.
0: What's so funny is that he was wearing this suit. And this was only a year ago. For some reason, I had never heard the word bespoke. And I said, that is a great suit. He said, yeah, it's a bespoke suit. And I said, what does that mean? So she says, yeah, made to order. Mm Mm-hmm. He was such an elegant
1: guy. Very elegant, yes. So one of my first planning jobs was at the Pierre Hotel. And they hired me for like the final stages. And we went in, we did a great job, and it was my first time as Alley Events at the Pierre. And they were watching us like a hawk, and really? yes, as they should, right? So, sure. and I just remember there was, you know, they they pulled me into a back room to have like a little chat. We were eating, they were eating, and okay. so how do you think it's going? And I'll never forget this. They they gave some feedback, and and it was right then and there, and I really loved that it was right then and there. It wasn't like a day later, or yeah, two days yeah, later, yeah, yeah. because I fresh. can't always remember, you know, like yeah, oh, of course. So, um. And one of, you know, one of the things that they said was, uh, just always remember that you and your team are a representative of the hotel. And I said, oh, absolutely. And he said, well, so for example, if someone were to ask one of your staff members where the bathroom is, it wouldn't, the best thing wouldn't be for them to say, I don't know, I don't work here, go ask somebody over there. The best thing would be to say, would be to know where the bathrooms are, or to say, let me bring you over to somebody who can help you. And so you
0: be so all your your entire staff becomes representative right. of the house that you're in. Just right. happens to be at the pier. Right. And and that's and great feedback. So
1: that was great feedback and. Uh, It was so obviously one of my staffers said, "I don't know where it is. Go ask that person." You know, (laughs) and (laughs) and uh, I'm sure they weren't totally rude, but they weren't polished and professional enough, right? For right, I'm busy. They were. I think they were. They were setting out place cards, actually. So or escort cards. So so. But that being said, you know, it was like just I so appreciated that moment, and I and it never left. That's the thing my that mind. I was
0: gonna say, that, that you were open to it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: And um and so it, it started me for the first few years always having a, a like a meeting, a phone conference, follow up meeting with my team right after an event and discussing all the things that I thought went well, things that I thought could have been improved on, and then asking them what they thought was Right great what they weren't expecting you know because every party is different and every party has challenges and every party has amazing moments and you know it's in and these like there's there's just no two parties are ever alike right and you could worry even if you go into the same venue 20 times it's different it's it's different each time managing expectations and dealing with various personalities and family dynamics and issues. And I just try to coach everybody through the planning process because for me, it's just about getting to that end end result that my bride and groom ultimately wants Mm -hmm. and having everybody be as joyous as possible (laughs) for them. And the bride and
0: groom don't have to see how the sausage gets made.
1: Right. We toss around the the term bridezilla and groomzilla and stuff. The majority of the time, my brides and grooms are amazing. Yeah. It's everybody else. I'm so glad hear you (laughs) say that. It's everybody else and all of the issues that they bring to the table. Because here's the thing. Everybody makes everything about themselves. Right. So when you get this great bride and groom that just have a vision of what they want for them, but they're super excited to be like sharing it with their loved ones and they they get the big picture. It usually is the other players, (laughs) the parents or the other, you know, the other people that are kind of like, you know, they're bringing all their issues to the table and kind of mucking it up, you know, and
0: that is so interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we listen. We live in it. We live in an era where there's a lot of divorced parents. So there, so there's, oh,
0: yeah.
1: you know, that there's issues there. Sometimes things are not quite so smoothed over yet. I have a lot of conversations like that that are about what ultimately the clients love and are in their everyday life, but how that translates to a room full of people that are of. Various generations mm-hmm. there for a specific reason. If I have a client that like loves the Grateful Dead, you know, my suggestion is then usually, well, maybe we can have the, during cocktail hour, we can have like a not quite a super long jam, but like you yeah. know, a, a you know, a shortened version or maybe at the after party we can make sure that the after party playlist good is thing. going to be yeah, like just your you know your favorites because i always try to remind people especially with a wedding is you're going to have people that are there that are 80 it's not just you yeah it's not just you and uh, for me, at my parties, I like people dancing relatively soon. Yeah, I think it's a oh, snore. I feel fest the same. Uh, when it's just uh, you know, yeah,
0: you know, you know, word I use for all my clients, I say inertia is the death of a party. Yes, I like to get people dancing before you're introduced into the room.
1: I love that too
0: because they've been sitting for the ceremony. If it's in a church, it could be. It's. Three I, hours I was going to say, if
1: it's a church, the day is already on hour five or yeah. six before yes. the cocktail hour right
0: and then you're in the cocktail hour, and you're still standing and let's get this thing rocking
1: yes yes I, I love to whenever possible have um, you know introduce my brides and grooms into something a room that's, that's already packed yeah that's high energy thank
0: you oh you see we should work together
1: all the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, we know that they're going to be in a few a few short minutes, they're going to be sitting down and they're going to have their first course and then the speeches are going to start, right? So we want why not have 15 minutes of like dance, 15, 20 minutes of just getting them up there? But well, you we can't always do that with but, a food service. So it all depends. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It all depends. Every party is different. Every party has a different beat. Every party has a different energy. One of the things that I have noticed is that if it's a guest list that is truly friends and family, it's going to be an incredible party no matter what. Everybody in that room, they love the, the bride and the groom or the mitzvah child or whatever. They have a vested interest. It's those parties where it's just, you know, 50% work associates. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I mean, it's, it's a palpable shift. I can feel Yeah the energy right away and know that, well, these people don't even know these people. So they're not like, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're here for the meal and they're going to have a dance <laughs> and they're going to be polite. They're not genuinely vested in yeah. the guest of honor. So, you know, that's one of the things that I always try to advise my clients on. It's just really be very selective with your, with guest, your guest list. list yeah. You know, it really should be, I understand that there are, people that you have to invite for specific reasons. But if fifty percent of your guest list mm. or forty percent of your guest list is people that you feel like you have to invite, I promise you that's too many people. And you could still edit that out by another twenty percent. You know, you can cut that in half. That's funny. Um you
0: know what a lot of people talk about building a team? Yeah. Okay, so I've got this band and this florist and this this and I it's know all how about our party partners. <laughs> Yeah.
1: It takes a village. It takes a village. Oh, that's a
0: good term. Party partners. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They are, you know, we're, we're, we are only as good as the people we surround ourselves with. You know, the party yeah. is only going to be as success. I could, the weakest I could, link, right. I mean, it's always about who you bring on board to round out the team.
0: Yeah. All right. You're working with a client. Mm-hmm. In what order they say, all right, I have X amount of dollars. You want to make up a number? hundred Mm-hmm. Okay. How much should be, should be music? How much should be flowers? How much should be design? How much should be food? Mm-hmm. I think I remember talking to someone early on. I do remember. And she said that 50% of your budget is food. And then the rest is everything else.
1: So it depends. If, it, if you're building out an estate wedding, to say it's you know, 100 people... Mm-hmm. You know, I already know that the rentals alone, just the rentals, are going to be between forty and 50000 before we even get into food or <laughs> anything else. Oh, really? Else. Yeah. Okay. So, because you have to think of everything. And you have these
0: conversations openly with the client.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm talking about on the luxury level where people, it's not going to be a pole and, you know, a pole based tent popped in a backyard. No,
0: (laughs) and you have to have potential air conditioning, potential heating, or potential rainstorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, And the trailers and the this and then that, not to mention every knife, fork, spoon, you know, times three, you know, per person and all of that. So, um, but yeah, but if we're just talking about like a a place where there's an actual building, Mm
0: It might be more cost-effective to have it in a venue that exists
1: already. It is more, more cost-effective. Okay. Almost nine times out of ten it's more okay. cost-effective. Because you think about it. I mean, they, they have the infrastructure. They have an electrical grid. Like, you don't have to bring in a generator. And, you know, they have bathrooms. You don't have to bring it, you know, like, yeah, just just if you think of the most basic amenities, they yeah. have them in-house, right? So. Right it's going to be less expensive. So I always say about 40 to 45% is food and beverage. That's the that's the what I usually quote. It can go up to 50 depending on what you choose. Everything else is is really between 10 and 15% to 10 and 20% of your budget. Different things are more important to people. So, somebody might be all about flowers and decor and not really, you know, not really put a lot of emphasis on food. So, they're okay with the most basic right. menu that's proposed to them and they're not going to add on any stations and they're not going to add on any, you know, upgrades food and beverage wise.
0: That's really where the money comes in. Where someone says, Well, I want this wine. I want the champagne. I want the champagne. I want the thing. Is it taxes? Is it, is it gratuities? What is it? So you,
1: you also have admin fees, and that's usually a, like 2 to 3%. All right,
0: so I, know, take it, take, I take it back. I know nothing. <laughs> I just know what my band charges, and I know. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's
1: admin fees. There's, what's an admin fee? So it's not a gratuity. It's just a charge that they charge for facilitating all the back and forth. Who's oh. they?
0: The house or you?
1: The house. It's, okay. It's, the, it's their office. Okay. So it's the sales and catering office. And an admin fee is usually two to three percent. Then there's the taxes. Then there's the gratuity. Um,
0: now the taxes—is it state taxes? It federal taxes? It?
1: Um, it's not to be city. It's city tax. But we might as well get well, into the nitty
0: gritty just for the heck of it.
1: So here's here's the bottom line. Okay. So so you, you. It's interesting when I'm working with a client. A lot of times they'll come to me and they already have a venue. And then I, we, I get into the topic of their budget and what their overall budget is. So you know, Many times they're kind of, I don't really know, it's maybe around 100, maybe it's, you tell me, you know, they usually want me to tell them. And <laughs> yeah. when they have the initial proposal from their sales and catering venue,
0: they have a starting point.
1: Yeah, they have a starting point and I have a starting point. And then I always tell them, and you need to add 30% to that. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, that's your plus, plus, plus. And you don't get that until the end. That's your admin fee, your taxes, your gratuity. Sometimes it's a coat check fee, or it's this, or it's that, or oh, wow. it's a valet fee. Or, so you it know, really
0: is that much.
1: It can be more. Yeah, wow. it can be more than 30%. So, Wow. But, um, and I'm not talking about menu upgrades. I'm talking about that's just kind of... The, the things that get added at the end
0: And that's before you wear the band and the flowers and the florist and, and the photographer right. and the-
1: And regarding plus pluses with with those with those vendors, I let my clients know. Well, sometimes there's travel fees. Sometimes oh, sure. there's yeah. they request a meal. You would be surprised how people don't think about that and how they don't think that if they have a band, then they have all these other vendors. Suddenly they they have a total of maybe twenty people on site that they've got to feed, and they're like, oh my gosh. Well, but the vendor meals are one hundred and fifty dollars a person. Right. You know.
0: Do you know that I say this to clients every single time I talk to them? I know I'm the only band leader who says this, but I don't like when my band gets fed. I'm paying them incredible amounts of money. Right. They're working a four-hour job.
1: I'm so I glad want, you're saying that.
0: And I want them <laughs> available when I want them. Right. And I want them when the client needs them. So in other words, if we're doing this party and you say, oh, I've arranged for everybody to have right. dinners. And let's say we have a 12-piece band. The client has just spent $1,500 on feeding the band. Right. And the place decides to serve the band after they've served all the guests and they set down a hot meal and i say hey guys parent dances are starting in three minutes right eat as much as you can quickly and be on the stage in two minutes i don't care whether they're hungry and they're not hungry and i say to clients all the time i said when was the last time i said when was the last time you worked a four-hour day and then in, within that four-hour day, got somebody, you got a someone bought you lunch for like a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars. Well,
1: well, I'm really glad that you're the one bringing this up, and that yeah, you're the
0: one. I know, and this. I'm the band leader, and, because, and I had to I, believe me. I had to rationalize this to my musicians.
1: I will tell you that, and my I think my team, and probably a lot of other people in our industry who are listening, and and in my position, will tell you that in my experience. Some of the biggest divas I've ever had to deal with were the band members mm-hmm. demanding a meal when we're like on our like nine <laughs> starving, ready to eat our left arm and also waiting, <laughs> <laughs> waiting to, to eat, you know. And we see these like, you know, beautiful and handsome, fresh faced people that have only been there an hour, <laughs> you know, and I tell them, well, you know, all of our vendors, you know, we're, we're fed up after the room is fed and they look at me and there's been times where I've had some serious pushback. There's been times where I've had to remind people of their arrival time. (laughs) I've had to say like, Hey, listen, you see that guy over there, that photographer, you know, he's been on the job since 10. My point is, is that, listen, I think we're working, right? We're, we're hired to, it's great if we get fed. I think we all should get some sort of food. You know, I don't think that, I, I, you know, I think everybody should have beverages and something to eat and all of that. I just don't think that the last people to arrive should be the first people to ask where the food is. It was very early in my career. I'm not going to say who or what or where, but Part of what an event planner does, and maybe some of your listeners won't know this, is we do a lot of work on contracts. We're constantly reviewing contracts, tweaking them. If we are hired for full service planning, a lot of times we're negotiating those contracts in the beginning. Sometimes our clients already have certain people booked and we're just reviewing them to make sure it's the number of hours are correct, start times, the finish times, all of that, and what all the stipulations and terms are. And you know, early on in my career, we, we I did this beautiful wedding in a lovely, iconic New York City location with a fabulous band and their contract was, the dinner was optional. And my client shared your sentiments, like, exactly. She said, like, well, what time would they be arriving? And the vendor meal at that time was, like, 150. So she opted to not do the meal for them. And I said, well, I do think that we should have something for them. She was like, well, maybe you can find out who they use for little luncheon catering, like, for their office. And maybe, like, a deli can, like, deliver some chap- oh, oh, wraps and, yeah, yeah. and salads and stuff. So They can quickly eat. Yeah, yeah so, like... They they didn't go cheap. I mean, they spent like $100 and got a whole bunch of just wraps and, you know, even more. I think a couple of salads, whatever. But it was a big difference between that and $1,000, right? Or more. I think it would have been like $1,800 or something like that to feed the band. So I had that all spread out for them. And they could graze on that at any time, too. So it was all ready. Then our hot meals came and me and my team and the photographer and the videographer, we're just shoveling them down our feet. You know, we've got our 20 minutes to eat them. Mm -hmm. And and one of the guys in the band said, who's in charge here? And I said, I am. And he goes, where's our meal? And I said, that's, that's your meal. And I actually let everybody know. I'm sorry if you didn't, you know, you didn't hear, but that, that whole spread is for you. And he goes, so let me, ma- let me make sure I understand this correctly. You get a hot meal and I don't. And I just said, let me make sure you understand something correctly. Your contract was meal optional. The client chose to not get your meal here. And I insisted that they provide a nice spread for you. So you can thank me for that. (laughs) 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 And he just looked at me with a little like shock and listen, I am like a super friendly, and I'm I was like they were great, and I was telling them they were great, and all of that. It was just a very but like strange... you said,
0: I'm on yeah. hour 16, right? And uh, at that I don't point, need some arrogant.
1: I literally have, I'm literally on hour probably 12 by that point, right? So,
0: so just so everybody understands the words that we're using. Yeah. When when we say hour, right? You mean on your feet hour, yes. like from the time you leave your house, house
1: from the time I leave my house.
0: You start driving, whether it's a two-hour drive or a 20-minute drive, could be nine in the morning. For a a party that's uh, the ceremony starts at six.
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah so by the literally by the yeah. time
0: the first guest sits down for the ceremony, you've been there for ten hours. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So that's what that's what we're talking about by hour, hour yeah. sixteen, yeah. hour two, hour five. And
1: there's there's a very glamorous, you know, we can thank J Lo and the wedding planner, but there's this very glamorous Thought of you know, wedding planners in stiletto heels, with perfect hair, and you know your makeup is great, and everything is. And we might look like that for about an hour or two. <laughs> <laughs> you We're know sure that. Working. Yeah, we'll refresh. You know, uh, my shoes are definitely not stilettos. They're usually quite sensible by hour by the, by the time the party starts. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. What do you do with shoes? What do you wear? Um, well so I have I always have like cute flats or something for okay. the church or the ceremony part and the setup part. If it's early before anybody, sometimes I'm just wearing sneakers cuz with arch support literally <laughs> like with yeah, like yeah, insoles. Yeah. And then when the party is really starting and guests are filtering in for cocktail hour and all that stuff in the and beginning, I'm usually in my nicest pair of shoes. Okay. I might be in those shoes for 2 hours. And then it goes back to those cute flats. <laughs> okay. Okay. And at that point, nobody's, if, if people, if people are paying attention to what I'm wearing on my feet, then I did not plan a good party. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I did not do my job well. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of hours on your feet and it's a lot of hours uh, running and attending to people, places and things. We you know we're, we're, we're all around. So back to this, this, this moment in time where this band member said that to me and you know, I reminded them that I, negotiated that meal for them and I hope that they're happy, but sorry that it's not this hot meal. And I didn't know this was gonna happen. I'm pretty sure the band didn't know this was gonna happen, but the owner of the company was stopped in unexpectedly to just do a a site visit because that's they were kind of out and about that day stopping in at all of their parties. Yeah. And um and it was a amazing party and it was just it was gorgeous. It was stunning. It was a great crowd. Everything it was just phenomenal. And the band was great. And so everybody was rocking and dancing. But I told him, you know, what happened, you know, because we were chatting and he was like, I am I am so sorry. I cannot believe that they said that to you. And I was oh, I, the owner. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that band member didn't expect the owner to be stopping by and, and doing a little check. But, you know, I said, I just want you to know I, I'm, I feel bad that. I arranged for this for them. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you didn't even have to do that. Thank you so much. And he was so gracious. And I I think that also just as business owners, we always have to remind the people that we bring on board to parties.
0: This goes back to your first gig at the Pierre. That's right. When Spinner and the the staff said, can we give you some constructive criticism? Yes. And you take it to heart. I took it to heart.
1: And I expect everybody to be that way now.
0: Yeah. yeah, To me, the, the party's already happened once it starts. Right. Because I know what tunes to call. I know what... I, I, you, you can know. read the crowd. Yeah. You know, right. I know within the first five minutes mm-hmm. that it's going to be a great party. All right. So I will find the maitre d' and I'll say, I'm a, I'm a guest in your house.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think it's a great philosophy to have. And, and I share that philosophy. And I think it's because I was a vendor. I did start off as a designer and a, and a florist. I was used to finding out what the house rules were, who the people in charge were, making sure I introduced myself, I introduced my crew, I would let them know if I was leaving a man on duty, I would confirm the pickup time, all of those things that would make them feel secure and confident that the job is going to get done and get done in a timely manner, and a professional manner. And I barely do any advertising. So like I said, the majority of my business from very early on has all been... Um, by personal referrals and word of mouth. And a lot of my biggest referrals come from venues because I do respect the house rules. They're our biggest party partner. I love the I love
0: that term. You've used it a couple of times. Yeah. And it just yeah. flies by and then I catch it. It's yeah. like party partner. Yeah. Because they are your partners. Right. Like if you and I are working together, I'm your partner. Correct. And if, if my guys aren't, are whatever. Right. You know, if they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing or if they're not where they should be. That's reflection on you.
1: Of course. And on the house. Right. And on me. I think what I've found too in in my years just producing and creating events is that it's a collaborative effort that everybody has to be on board with, right? So they're mm-hmm. like everybody everybody's talented in our industry, right? You don't get yeah. to be like in our circles and If you're not good at what you do. Right. Right. So everybody's talented. Everybody comes with like a great skill set. Everybody comes with a history of whatever cool things or unique things that they've Mm -hmm. done in the past to kind of make them who they are here and now. But egos have to be left at the door because the only people, in my opinion, that are important are our guests as our guests of honor. Yeah. They should be the only people that are important. So I never throw anybody under the bus. If anything happens, we, we, we just kind of, <laughs> we might want to divert attention. We do what we need to do to, to smooth it over because 95% of the time, nobody's going to notice those little kinks or those little things. But you will. I will. I'll dress it with them after. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be discussed now. Right. And, and then we move on because The clients are just seeing the big picture. If they're in the moment, they're seeing the big picture. I mean, I do feel very sorry for there are those clients that are just very caught up in the details and I think a lot of times it has to do with you know anxiety and you know it has to do with other things sure. that are kind of going on behind the scenes with them and you know they can't enjoy the moment as much though those are the people that will notice every little thing right but yeah. but the majority of the people just want to be in that that bubble of love and fun and excitement, and yeah. stay in that for as long as it can because it's warm and cozy in there, you know. And
0: that's, that's great. I love that expression. Yeah,
1: and and if we can create that together as a group, then we're essentially that warm and fuzzy bubble, right? And we're just having a good time. We're making this beautiful, beautiful memory for a family. I mean, how it doesn't get any better than that. The 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 high from that is just like. It's why we stay in this crazy business. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. I,
1: I think that education is everywhere, right? We can choose to be lifelong learners and learn yeah. from every situation and, and every job that we have and then take that experience, take what we like from it, what we don't like from it, and then you know parlay it into something else. Even now, I've... Plans produced and or designs like over 450 events. It's been a lot and none are are the same. I learn from all of them. I try to, I'm probably my own worst critic. I'm probably harder on myself. I'll sit, sit back and think, how could I have improved upon that? Or that was amazing. Like, I'm so glad that I... Had the courage to bring that thought up and just run it by them. Oh, nice. Or yeah. you know, like I really will say, mm, I don't. That didn't work as well as I thought it would, or it didn't go over as great. I mean, everybody seemed to be having a great time, but I expected a different reaction. You know, I try to be really honest so that every party can be a little better. And and listen, we have all different types of clients. Some we're gonna click with yeah, and gel with right away. And I I'm at a point in my career, luckily, knock on wood, that I really only like to take the, those clients. If I do eight to 10 parties a year, that's like as much as I really want to do because I want to have time to do other things in my life and I have other other interests. But I also just want to be able to have the time to kind of connect with them and have lunch and, you know, and chat and not always feel like it's...
0: Because this just happened because I had a very nervous bride and she was just so adorable, though, yeah. but she was so nervous about it. And I, I must have spent... Forty hours on the phone with her, just chatting with her. Not because I felt sorry for her; she right. was a doll. She was just, she was just nervous about certain things, and we would talk about everything. And when it was over, I. It's funny. I said to her the day before, because we, we were speaking. I said, "All right, I'm not going to call you tomorrow. You know, worry about your wedding." I said, "But you realize when I kiss you goodbye at the end of this party." There's a very good chance we'll never see each other. We might never right. talk to each other. So she says, she says, I never thought about it that way. She says, I feel like I made a friend for life, but.
1: What's really interesting in what you're saying, and and maybe it's a little different. I'm like the trusted family advisor who's been with the family a long time. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you if I think it's a good idea Warn you if I think it might not work. Give you an alternative. I'm going to be honest about how much things cost. I'm going to be honest about how something, you know, an idea might make someone feel. And yeah, we spend an incredible amount of time on the phone with people And, you know, I just got a call. It's so funny that you say that, but like, I just got a call from one of my bride's moms from like years ago, years ago, because she's on my social media and she was like, oh my God, Allie, how are you? You're doing so good, blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to ask you about Greenwood Lake. And you know, it was just like, you know, it was such a great, it was so great to hear her voice. So I have a lot of like relationships like that, where I've done all the kids bar mitzvahs and a family. So I know that family well.
0: Uh, do you know Leslie Mastin?
1: Yes. I was just texting with her.
0: No kidding. <laughs> she introduced me to the expression legacy clients. Yes. Her definition, which was, I thought, just perfect. If you do someone's wedding. Right. And then you do their sister's wedding. And then you do the 50th anniversary of the mother. Mm-hmm. And then you, they might be a partner in a law firm. And you might Absolutely. do the law firm. So right. they become a legacy
1: client. They become a legacy client.
0: I came up with the ultimate legacy client the other day because i got a phone call he says you're never gonna remember me but my name is marshall i remembered his last name i remembered yeah. his bride's name i said you got married at the essex house like a hundred years ago yeah and she, she goes 22 wow and he says i'm making my wife and i said noelle so she says yeah i'm making Noel a 50th birthday party and we want you to play yeah and it was just such a great feeling.
1: It's an amazing that feeling that they
0: they've they know your work ethic, right? You right. know,
1: they see you. They saw how hard you worked. They saw what you brought to the table. They saw your talents. They see who you are as a person, and they want it. And they want to keep you in their life, in their world. I and, was very touched yeah. by it it's that's an incredible feeling and so that's why i think legacy clients for for all of us you know they're they're super special you know yeah. they're our vi vips right so the warm and fuzzy feeling that they give us is the same feeling that we give back right
0: would you look at the time i can't believe I it i actually got, have to get three to work years ago. <laughs> years ago.
1: i probably have a crazy inbox and lots of stuff.
0: and you've been so delightful that i completely forgot that i got my first traffic ticket in 20 years ah, coming up here
1: that tuxedo park I'm oh, sorry I I'm so sorry about It was, that. it's
0: worth it it was worth it just to have this time with you thank you thank so you. much
1: thank you so much Doug this has been a pleasure I love your podcast and talking to you has been
0: has oh, been. you a- you're the so best
1: I am, this has been I have had so much fun spending the afternoon ch- chatting uh, oh and talking with you I feel like we could talk for like three more hours I know I know we just got started it's it's, it's well, incredible we'll it we can do it again we can yeah. do it anytime um, and you're welcome to come Take, you know, take I it, love take this it. place and we haven't even looked <laughs> I'm going to get my camera because I want to take a little picture
0: yes we should do that so we can both put it on yeah. Um, yeah. Instagram Okay, Ali Barone so you actually can find those pictures on both her Instagram and mine she is at Ali Barone Events A-L-I-B-A-R-O-N E-E-V-E E-N-T-S. So there's two E's in the middle there. I am at Doug Winters, Inc. Her website is at Allie Barone Events. Mine is at DougWintersMusic.com. Please subscribe to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep spreading the word. And thanks again to the beautiful, talented, incredibly wise, Allie Barone. See you next time.